It is my privilege to start off this series, My Biggest Moment with God, and it's always nice to be one of the first speakers. You kind of get to set the tone a little bit. Um, and I think about stories. All of us in here have a story. We all have something that God's been doing in our lives, something way that God's been working. Uh, figuring out our purpose is often part of that story. And so God not only wants to work in us individually, I think he also wants to work in us as a church and as a group to do a bigger thing through all of us and who we are. But as I go through this, I just want you to, just to remember that while this is my story and it's a story that God gave me, that God is the center of the story. He's the one behind the story. He is the one that made it all happen. So I've been a pastor for about 16 years now. And before that, I spent 21 years in the automotive industry, uh, working with a company that supplied almost, well, all of the world's largest car manufacturers. And so as part of that, I would sometimes go up to Milwaukee for meetings. And I was in Milwaukee at our headquarters one year. And uh, after the meeting, a couple of us decided to go out for dinner at a fairly nice restaurant in downtown Milwaukee. And we're doing what guys do in a restaurant. We're just kind of goofing off. And then we started talking about sports. And that turned into a little bit of a disagreement between me and my buddies. So I was from the Chicago area, and so I was a Chicago Bulls fan. And they were from Milwaukee, and they were huge Bucks fans. And the Bulls had just beaten the Bucks for like the third year in a row in the first round of the playoffs. And so they're giving me all this stuff about, oh, it's Michael Jordan gets all the calls. You know, when he's guarded, if there's a foul, they're going to call it on the other guy, not Michael, my, not Michael Jordan. And if it wasn't for that, the Bulls wouldn't win three championships. I'm like, well, that's the point. They've won three championships. You can't blame it on that all the way. So we're just kind of going back and forth, ribbing each other. And as we're talking, in walks Elvin Robertson and another Bucks player. And Alvin Robertson had guarded Jordan in this series. He was the one that was supposed to stop him from scoring. And so they looked at me and they said, well, there's Alvin Robertson. Why don't you just go ask him what he thinks about Jordan getting the calls? So I go, okay. <laughs> so I got up from my table, walked over to Alvin Robertson's table, and he's sort of looking at me funny. I said, Mr. Robertson, you don't know me, but I have a question for you. And he's looking at me like, yes, I don't know you, and why are you bothering me? And I said, my buddies and I are having a disagreement over the Bulls and the Bucks series, and they're trying to tell me the only reason the Bulls win is because Michael Jordan gets all the calls. And he was very, I have to say, very polite and very nice. I, I wasn't sure what to expect at this point, but he was very nice, and he goes, you know, Michael Jordan is a superstar. And in the NBA, people pay good money to see superstars play. So Michael Jordan's going to be in the game. And I went, thank you for your honesty. And I walked back to my table and I sat down and these guys are just kind of looking at me like, I can't believe you did that. And then they said, well, what do you say? I go, he said Jordan gets the calls. <laughs> so they're like, well, we knew that happened. So, so this meeting kind of just redirected my view of the NBA a little bit. I hope it's not that bad in the NBA, but it made me rethink a little bit about what the NBA was really like. And so as we talk about our biggest moment, I could talk probably about any one of these three moments I want to tell you about and make a whole sermon out of that. But I just felt like God has redirected my life in a couple different ways. And so this kind of all culminates in a big moment for me. And so I'm going to share these three, what I call three redirects, with you. And the first one is, when I was 23 years old, I found faith in Christ. So as you heard, I was not what you would consider a good kid. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, though, I might have said I was a good kid. I played three sports. I missed zero days of school. I had pretty good grades. 
And I was sitting on the porch studying for finals, and my dad walked out, and he said, what are you doing? I said, studying for finals. And he looked at me and goes, why? I said, because I want to get good grades. Like, <laughs> where is this coming from? And he just said, do you have any friends? Do you do anything? Do you party? And so my parents were big partiers, and that was what was important to them. All through high school, they had been heavy drinkers. They were heavy drinkers now. And being in a party was really drove them. And so I got the subtle message, at least as I understood it as a 14-year-old. And by the, by the next three months, from June, or, yeah, from June to October, I went from straight A's and zero days of school miss and three sports to being one of the biggest partiers in my high school. And that changed everything which almost got me expelled ultimately. But it was kind of a, just one of those changes in life that you wonder why is God allowing this as you look back on it. But also, as you heard, I'm a planner. And so even in high school, I was already planning my life. And so I remember thinking with well, this guy that I'd known since I was six years old, we planned it out. We said, we're going to go to college. We're going to get our degrees. We're going to make a bunch of money. And then we're going to invest in real estate. And we're going to own apartments and homes and do these things. And the whole purpose of this is we're going to get rich. We're going to make a lot of money, and we're going to be wealthy guys. And so that was my plan for life. And I'm in college, and I get to the second half of my senior year, and I meet my wife, Paula. And that plan sort of goes out the window. And we start talking about getting married. And she says to me, if we're going to get married, you have to promise to go to church with me. And I remember sitting there talking to her, and I thought... An hour a week in church, and I can marry Paula. <laughs> I could probably do that. I have bare season tickets. That's half the year. I would only go half the time anyway. So sure, I'll, I'll agree to that. So I agreed to her. I said, I'll go to church every week with you. And she was the church pianist since she was 12, and so that was going to be a big, big thing for her going forward. And so we started going to church, and we ended up at, at a small church in my hometown in Geneva, Illinois. And, of course, everyone knows me, right? I've been through this whole thing, almost got expelled from high school, and this is only like four or five years later. And this was not a silent expelling. This was a very public expelling where everyone knew what was happening. So I walk into the church the very first time I walk in, and a guy that I knew since grade school, wasn't really a friend of mine, but just someone I knew, he like beelines to me, comes right up to me, and he goes, what are you doing here? And the clear message was, you don't belong in this church. You're not good enough to be here. And so that became something that I stored in the back of my mind that, A, I never wanted to do to someone. <laughs> but B, it, was, it began me truly not trusting Christians, especially Christian men, in the beginning of my walk with Christ. Because I just didn't know what they were going to think of me or how they were going to interpret things and if they even really truly cared about me. And so... Through all of this, I ended up accepting Christ as my Savior. Uh, it took about a year when I first started going to church. I heard the gospel presented a couple times and literally thought, is it really that easy? I grew up in a religious home where doing was important. And so I ended up accepting Christ. And through all of this, Proverbs 19 sort of summed up my life to that point. And it says, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I had plans, but God had different plans and a different purpose for my life, and he brought the right people into my life, and I could see that God had been faithful to me even when I'd been faithless to him early in my life. 
And then a second redirection of my life occurred, and that's when my faith became real. So if you would have seen me after I accepted Christ uh, as a young, young man at 23 years old, you probably wouldn't have seen a huge change in me. Inwardly, I was starting to change a little bit. I remember starting to try to read the Bible and praying on my way to work. And I thought, well, I'll just start in Genesis and work my way through to Revelation. Got somewhere around Leviticus, and I was like, yeah, I don't really know what's happening in here anymore. So I stopped reading the Bible, but I did keep praying. And so God was doing some things inside, but outwardly, most people would not have known that there had been any change in me, that I'd put my faith and trust in Jesus. Work still drove me. It was still about how much money can I make, when's my next promotion, how do I get ahead? And so God used that, that whole drive in me for the next phase of my life. And he moves me and my wife and my children, we had three kids by then, to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to the headquarters of the, of the company I worked for. Of course, it was for a promotion, more money, all the things that I wanted in life. So we moved to Milwaukee, and we started looking for a church. And we, we started attending the small church. It was by about 400 people. And so there was, it was small enough where the pastor realized that we were newer. And so one of the Sundays, second or third Sunday we were there, he was at the back door to the sanctuary. And we're walking out. And he grabs me and he says, hey, are you new to the church? I said, yeah, I'm new. We just moved to the area. He goes, well, where did you move from? I said, the Chicago area. And he, now he's shaking my hand. He sort of like holds my hand and pulls me in close and goes, are you a Bears fan? <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, it's Milwaukee. He's probably a Packer fan. It's like <laughs> and I go, yes, I am. Why are we whispering? <laughs> he goes, because I'm a Bears fan, too. I grew up in the Chicago area, and, you know, I'm the pastor here, and everyone's a Packer fan, so I don't talk a lot about it. And I'm like, dude, you cannot hide that stuff. <laughs> you have to talk about this. So it started a friendship with he and I. In fact, it was the first, I would say, the first Christian guy that I actually trusted, that I felt like I could share with and talk to. I met another guy in that church, and that started opening me up to, to Christianity, to the faith. Even though I was a believer, really wasn't growing at that point. No one had come into my life to help me to grow. And so we then got another chance for promotion and a bigger pay raise, and the chance was going to be in Michigan. So we picked up all the kids, and I remember the day that happened. I went home to my wife. I, I had privy to some of these changes, and I had told my wife, there's a good chance they're going to move us to Michigan. You know, do we want to move? What do we want to do? And we decided if they asked us and it was a promotion, we'd go. And I walked in the house one day and said, it's go blue. We're going to Michigan. And so, again, this is what's driving me. It's getting ahead. It's the money. It's all those things. And so we get to Michigan, and, and an interesting thing is as we were looking for a house, we drove by this one church, and we both looked at each other and said, I think we're supposed to go to that church. We didn't really know why, but just kind of a feeling we had. And so we started attending this church about the third week we were in the community. And so our kids are already in soccer. We had signed them up. We had moved a couple times, so now we know we've got to get our kids involved in things. We've got to get them signed up for things right away, get them grounded. And so we were already at soccer fields. And uh, I look over, and my son comes run, running over, and he said, Hey, you see that kid over there? He goes to my Sunday school class. And we didn't know, but that little boy was saying to his parents, you see that kid over there? He's in my Sunday school class. So the parents walk over, and they come up to Paul and I, and they say to us, hey, um, our son tells us you guys are, our kids are in the same Sunday school class. Like, how long have you guys lived in Michigan? And we said, three weeks. They said, we've only been here two. 
So you guys want to get together and like hang out and start a small group, maybe study the Bible together. And I was at this point in my life ready to do that. And I said, yeah, that would be great. So the four of us started getting together on a weekly basis, studying the Bible, and the group grew to about eight people. And then after about a year or two, he said to me, hey, how would you like to spend some time with just me? We'll go to dinner on Fridays. We'll talk about the Bible. We'll look at your life, of what's happening in your life, and we'll talk about what the Bible says about that. And I didn't realize it, but he wanted to, what we call disciple me. He wanted to help me really understand the Bible. And so the Bible and my faith truly start to become real at this point. I'm starting to live out my faith now. And I could see that everything was changing in how I was living, uh, and it was something like I wasn't planning it, it just sort of happened. The more I was in the Bible, the more I was around him, the more I started living out my faith. And things were changing at work, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more in a second, but I was now having my own small group, teaching a Sunday school class, just all kinds of different things in life. My faith was truly becoming real to me at that point. And as I'm going through this, a passage of Scripture began to stand out to me from 1 Timothy. And if you remember the Apostle Paul, he was kind of a bad dude, right? Killed Christians, persecuted Christians. He's on his way to persecute more Christians, and he meets Jesus. He, he puts his faith and trust in Christ. And then he writes this passage of Scripture to Timothy. And it says in 1 Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And as I began to study the Bible on my own and I read this passage, I really started to understand my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I honestly felt like the Apostle Paul, that I was the worst of all sinners and that I had no idea how much I truly needed Jesus till I came to grips with that fact. I wasn't a good kid. I did a lot of stupid things. I persecuted followers of Christ in some way. I remember I had a football coach uh, that was a strong Christian, and my friends and I would go out drinking. We'd collect hundreds of beer cans, and we'd throw them on his yard because I thought it was funny. And we did a lot of stupid things. And I remember thinking, I don't deserve this. The grace that Jesus poured out on me, in other words, I didn't get what I deserved. And his mercy was really at the point where I just didn't understand why God would do that for me. And I remember saying to God, why did you do that for me? God, why did you go to the cross for me? I did not deserve it. And I don't know where you're at today. You may be feeling like that in your life, but I will tell you that God loves you and he went to the cross for you regardless of what you've done in your life. He cares deeply for all of us. And I began to want others to know this, to know that God loved them so much, he would go to the cross for them regardless of what they'd done in their lives. 
And so based on this, this idea of wanting people to know this, Colossians 1.28 became sort of like a driving verse for me. And I will tell you, this is probably my life's verse. It's the one verse that I go back to over and over when I think, what's my purpose in life? And this says, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works within me. And I began to realize that I needed to tell people about Jesus. I needed to proclaim him. And I needed to admonish them and teach them. In other words, warn them that without Jesus, this is the path that you're on. Here's what Jesus can do for you. And teach them that they needed Jesus in their life so that they could become perfect in Christ. And that idea of perfect means as much like Jesus as possible. And so everything started to change for me. And I would pray and I would ask God to give me opportunities to share my faith. And then a funny thing happened. The more I shared my faith, it seemed like the more opportunities I got to share my faith. It's like God was saying to me, okay, you're going to do this, so I'm going to use you. And so then I started praying differently. It's like, hey, God, help me to see the open doors because there were times someone would leave my office or I'd be on a football field as a coach talking to people and I'd go, oh, man, that... I should have seen that opportunity based on what they said to share Christ with them, and I missed it. I would say, God, help me to see the open doors, and then to boldly walk through those doors, and then give me the exact words that that specific person needs to hear about Jesus. Because I knew from my life there were certain things I needed to hear about who Jesus was. And God had to bring those people in my life to give me specific messages and to tell me exactly what I needed to know. And so a small group relationship through a discipling relationship with a person, a few people that came into my life, my faith became real. And I began to live it out. And the Bible became central to that. It was through the Bible that I really began to see how to live my life and what I should be doing. And as I looked back at my life, I began to realize that God had truly been faithful. He was redirecting my life because he wanted to get me to exactly the place he wanted me, to do the things he wanted in me. Because if I'd have stayed in my hometown, say I never took that promotion in Wisconsin, I don't know what my life would look like today. I'm sure it'd be different. But God used these different things in my life to get me to exactly where he wanted me in life. And so Colossians 3 became very important to me too. And that third redirect of my life was how my life changed when my faith became real. How my life changed once my faith truly became real. And we've, we've talked about this a little bit already. I really noticed it at work. I wanted to share my faith with people at work. And I remember sitting in meetings towards the end of my time there. And uh, I remember listening to one of the engineers that worked with me uh, on some of our projects. And we were just talking about how to save money. And part of our job was to save money for our company, right? And if we saved enough money, I got a bigger bonus. And so we were sitting in this meeting, and this engineer says, I got an idea. If we make this small change to our product, we can save a million dollars this year. And in the past, that would have been a million dollars. We're doing that because that's X amount of dollars for my bonus. But at this time, I was sitting there thinking, yeah, that's cool. I wonder if that dude knows the Lord. And so my purpose changed. My purpose was no longer profit. My purpose was, can people know the Lord while we make profit? Because here's the thing. As someone who worked in the business world, 
I had to do a job, right? People were paying me to do a job and to do it well. And so I needed to be honoring to my employer and do that job well. But I also wanted to share Christ. And I knew if I didn't do the job well, it would be difficult for me to share Christ because the, the, most of the people would have looked at me and said, well, that Christian dude, he, he doesn't even do his job well. Why would I listen to him? And so doing my job well and glorifying job, God through my job was as important to me as sharing Christ because it would be an inroad for me to share Christ, I thought. So Colossians, as I said, really became a driver for me at this point. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And so I was like, Lord, whatever I do, I'm going to do good, but it's going to be for you. It's going to be for your glory. It's going to be so that your purposes can be worked out through me in this company or wherever I'm at. And then the final part of this, the final redirect in this whole situation is when I felt like God was calling me into full-time ministry. And I have to tell you, when I felt like the Lord was calling me to full-time ministry to leave the workplace and to go to vocational ministry, I didn't like go, hallelujah, I'm ready to go into full-time ministry. I went, God, you must be crazy. Like, why would you call me into full-time ministry? I'm already sharing my faith. I already have a Bible study at work. i got a small group in my neighborhood. I'm doing all these different things. Like, I think I'm doing ministry. Like, why would you change that? I'm pretty happy with my life. And so God used a couple different ways to really speak to me because I said, hey, if you want me in full-time ministry, I'm not that smart, so you're going to have to make it super clear. Like, I cannot miss that this is what you're telling me. And so the first, right after I prayed that, about a week later, I'm in Nashville with one of our project managers working on a project for an automotive company down there. And we're sitting at dinner in our hotel, and the guy looks at me. He goes, you remind me a lot of my brother. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's cool. And I go, what's your brother like? He goes, my brother's a pastor. Have you ever thought about being a pastor? I'm like, no. <laughs> so I just did what I thought I should do. I lied. So, so then about a week later, I'm with my boss, and we're driving to a meeting at Ford, and he goes, hey, crazy question, but have you ever thought about being in full-time ministry? I'm like, no. <laughs> Why would you ask me that? And then it happened a third time with another guy at work. I'm like, okay, God, I feel like you're trying to tell me something here. <laughs> but I'm still not sure this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm still, you need to make it really clear. I know you're making it clear, but like I needed it to be more clear, I guess. And so I was in my chair one day reading the Bible, just meditating on it. And Mark 10 happened to be the passage I was in. And if you remember that passage, it's where Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler. And the rich young, rich young man says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, go sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come follow me. And he walks away depressed because he doesn't want to give up all his wealth. And then the disciples look at Jesus and they go, hey, man, we've given up everything for you. Like, what are we going to get for this? And this is what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times more as much in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. And as I read that, I knew that God was talking to me. 
And I knew he wasn't saying, you're going to get 100 times more dollars if you go into ministry. But I knew he was saying to me that anyone that gives up something valuable for my sake will receive valuable things in return. In other words, if I was willing to let go of certain things, he would give me other things to replace those. So, for example, my parents were not happy when I told them I felt called to full-time ministry. But I knew that God was saying, you'll get a bigger family. You'll get the family of Christ. It's a hundred times more than you have today. And that whatever I did, he would somehow bless me in a way that I had never expected, and he has. And I knew he was telling me, Greg, it's going to be okay if you let go and follow my plans for your life. And I knew at that point he'd be able to carry me into the future and take care of all my needs. Because that was honestly one of my biggest concerns was, how am I going to go from this kind of life to this kind of life? Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And I knew if I committed to God, he would establish my plans and my future. And I would no longer have to be the one that was planning out my life. It wasn't working great anyways, to be honest. That he would take control, and that through that, I would have peace. And you know, it's interesting that peace has sort of become a key word for me in my life because I remember a few years after that, I was in the pastorate and I was out to lunch with another pastor. And in the restaurant we were at, the waiter said to us, you know, I've tr- I'd tried church a few times, don't really get a lot out of it. Like, what do you guys get out of church? And I said, peace. Peace knowing that Jesus is in control of my life, that he has a plan and a purpose for me, and that I don't have to be in control myself. And at that point, I knew that that word was going to be special to me. But then I had to do something else. After I knew that God was calling me into ministry, and I'd wrestled for this for nine or or so months, I had to tell my wife, Paul, I felt called into ministry. Because I didn't immediately go to Paul and go, hey, I feel like God's calling me into ministry. I thought, I've got to wrestle through this myself and then talk to her. And the day I told her I felt like God was calling me into ministry, I'll never forget the words she said. She said, I did not marry you to be married to a pastor. And God hasn't told me yet you're supposed to be in ministry, and until he tells me, you're not doing it. (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, well, you know, this is kind of like your fault, right? Because I wasn't even a Christian when I met you. (laughs) Probably wasn't the best, best thing I ever said. But over time, probably about eight months, of praying and thinking about it, God spoke to her in a special way. She could share that. She could probably do a whole sermon on that. But God spoke to her, and she came home from church one day and said to me, I think you're supposed to go in the ministry. And then one crazy thing happened after that. I just want to share because I'm sort of actually surprised by some of these things. But we went back to my hometown, and so it's December, it's Christmas Eve, and I'm going to start seminary in about a month. And so we go back to the church we had gone to where I'd become a believer, and we're sitting there on, on uh, this Christmas Eve service, and we're wanting to tell people, and we're now excited about the fact we're going into ministry. And so we want to share it with these people, especially people where we really, our faith had really started, especially my faith. And so we walked up to this older couple uh, that knew us, and his wife had actually worked in the school when I was a senior, so they knew who I was. They'd known all my, my background. And so I went up and I said, hey, Bob and June, I feel like God's calling me into ministry, and I'm starting, I'm starting a seminary in January. And she was super excited. 
It's like, that is awesome, and it started here. We're so happy. And he turned and looked at me. He goes, don't give up your day job, Greg. <laughs> I'm like, we have to move on sometimes, right? I just felt like he couldn't move on past who I'd been. He couldn't let it go. And I hope as a church and as individuals, we can let go of these things if we know people in their different ways and their past, and that we can help them and encourage them to be all that God wants them to be. But I'll just say this. When God redirects your life, it's not just you he's redirecting. When God redirected my life, it just wasn't me. It was also my wife and my children. They had to come to grips with our lives were going to change. And things were going to look different and be different. In fact, they had to come to grips with that we might have to move when I finished seminary. And things would look totally different then. And the other thing I would tell you is not all of us are called to vocational ministry. So if you feel like God is redirecting your life, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to call you to be a pastor or go into full-time ministry. He might, but odds are God's probably going to call you to do what he wants you to do right where he has you today, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in the different places you are, and he's going to use you in a very special way in that, in that area when he redirects you. I, I'd hate to have you leave here and think, well, if God redirects my life and I start to follow God, I'm going to have to go into full-time ministry because I don't think that's going to be the case for most of us. So in a moment, we're going to sing a song. It's a song we just sang earlier, and I would just tell you I asked for this song because this song is special to me. A couple years ago, I was going through another redirect in my life, and it's the redirection that brought me here. And when I heard this song, it just struck me that God really knew what he was doing, that he would be my perfect peace in the midst of what I was going to go through again, looking for a job, and that he had been faithful in the past, and that he would be able to carry me into the future. And as we sing, I just ask you to take a moment and ask yourself this question. Is God redirecting your life today? Do you sense that God is doing something special in your life that you need to be open to? What is he calling you to today? And are there people in your life who can come alongside you and help you figure out what God's doing in your life, that can answer questions, that can be there for you, that can speak to you? Because I think God's going to use people in your life to help you understand what he's calling you to. And then are you in the Bible? Are you reading the Bible enough that God can speak to you in a very specific way as he wants to redirect your life? And he can tell you that it's going to be okay, that he's going to take you where he wants you, and that through this redirection, you're going to live out a purpose greater than any purpose you ever knew you could ever have in life. Because I think God has a purpose for all of us. And after we sing together today, we want to have you just hold on because we're going to invite a couple young people out who God is redirecting their lives at Connection Point. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity to be here and to share what you've done in my life. God, I just praise you that you were at work in my life, that you were doing tremendous things. Even when I wasn't wanting those things to happen, you were already working them out, that you were bringing people into my life, that you were bringing the word into my life, and that you were changing things and changing me inside. And God, I just pray for people here who you're working in their hearts in a special way today, that you would make it clear to them what you want them to do and how you want to redirect their life. And that they would be open to living out your will for them so that you will be glorified through everything that they do 
and that we do as a church. God, we thank you for this day and praise your name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.